Hi Church, this is week 13 of our series on the book of James. We've made it to the last section. We're going to read James chapter 5 verses 13 to 20 together. And what we're about to read are the closing verses in this letter that James has written to all of Jesus' followers scattered throughout the world. We've already seen throughout this letter how James is primarily concerned with the practical outworking of people's faith. He wants us to have this living faith and he's pushing us not just to hear god's word but to do what it says and the impression that i get from this is that james wants the communities that he's writing to to have fruitful lives he's passionate he's passionate about building healthy communities and in line with this what you'll see here in these final words is that the focus turns to prayer and actually i love how this section starts he says this james chapter 5 verses 13 to 14 Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. James is saying, are you in trouble? Pray. Are you happy? Pray. Are you sick? Pray. Whatever circumstance you're in, whether it's good or whether it's bad, your first response should always be God. If it's the happiest day of your life, you should be so in love with God that you just burst out into praise, thanking him for what he's done. Or if you're in trouble, struggling with something, then being so focused on God that you seek him first in prayer, knowing that he can give you whatever it is you need to get through it. It's like when you fall in love with someone and you just want to spend time with that person, even if it's the everyday normal stuff, they're all you're thinking about. And you're just so madly in love with them that if you have good news, you want them to be the first to know. Or if you've had a bad day, then you just turn to them first because you know that they'll comfort you. And James is saying, that's how it should be with us and God. We should be so in love with him that he's at the center. He's at the core of my life. And really, that theme has been Throughout the whole book of James, it's about relationship and having God at the center. And in that sense, this book fits in perfectly with the theme of our church this year, which is God at the center. And I think it's easy to read James and and look at it like it's a kind of to-do list, like here's a summary of all the things that I need to do to be righteous and holy. But when you look deeper, this is about having a deep relationship with God. It's about knowing him and it's about everything in your life revolving around him so if i love god and i put him at the center then naturally when i'm cheerful i'm going to want to sing songs of praise to him if i'm suffering he's the first one that i'm going to talk to but the reality is that so often that's not our first response and that right there highlights the tension that we need to deal with is god our first response and do we bring everything to him in prayer Because the verses that follow this um, in James that we're about to read really emphasize why that's important and why that should be our focus. So all I can say is, look at your life. Is he the first love of your life? When you're suffering, do you pray? When you're happy, do you pray? And if you're sick, do you pray? In fact, he says, call on the elders of the church. As we keep reading in James, verses 14 to 16, he says this, Is anyone among you sick? 
Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. He says, get the elders of the church. For us, the equivalent would be the pastors, the board members, the leaders that we have in the church. He says, get those people. Get them to pray for you because hopefully these are the righteous people in the church. And he's saying there is power in the prayers of the righteous. And he says, gather those people together because when you do, you could see healing. Wow. Do you believe that? I hope you do. What an amazing thing that you could witness. And I think sometimes we read verses like these and we go, well, maybe that happened to them a long time ago, but I don't think it happened anymore. I don't think it'll happen to me. But really, the whole reason we're reading the word of God is that we still believe that these words are true. We should be coming at this from a different perspective and go, wow, God can do anything and there is power in the prayers of the righteous. So if I'm struggling with something, if I need prayer, why would I hesitate to reach out and ask for it? And notice actually that the person who is sick is to call for the elders of the church. It's not that the elders of the church just go around looking for sick people, but instead there's, I guess you could say, an act of faith that you take on your part where you go, I really believe in the word of God. So my act of faith is to call on the elders and ask them, would you come here? Would you pray over me? Would you anoint me with oil? Because I really believe that God can heal me through you. And then in amongst all this talk about prayer, he says, confess your sins to each other. And confession is really about admitting that there are parts of your life that you know God isn't okay with. So it makes sense for James to include it here in that sense because it's about praying to God about those things. And this can be a really hard thing to do. I mean, we are invested in looking good. No one wants to have to deal with the idea that something might be wrong with them or that their behavior has hurt someone else. And when there are those things that we know God is not okay with, when there is sin in our lives, we're also pretty good at rationalizing it. We make excuses, we deny it, we blame others. And so confession also requires a time of self-examination with God. We need God to help us really to find out and see what is true about ourselves. We need to pray to God and say, please reveal to me the things that I can't see on my own. But in addition to that, James is emphasizing here that you can do that with the elders of the church. He says, confess your sins to each other. He's saying, find people that you trust, people that you know are righteous people that display that kind of godly wisdom that James talked about in chapter 3 and get those people to pray for you because not only are their prayers powerful and effective, but they are there to do life with you. Those are the people who want to live in community with you. And so they want to see you overcome and succeed. And God puts those people in our lives to help us through those times. And this is not about agonizing over every mistake and then shaming yourself for it. This is about surrounding yourself with righteous, godly people who can help you 
open yourself to God, you know, people who can help you receive the forgiveness that you need from God, and then being powerfully transformed through those prayers. It's also worth mentioning here that James links the confession of sins with healing in this one verse. In verse 16, he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, the connection between sin and sickness here can be a confusing one. And some people, I think, mistakenly take James's words here to mean that a sick person must have sinned in some way to bring about their sickness. And that simply isn't true. There are examples in scripture where people were sick because of their sin. Yes, and that can still be the case for us today. But it's important to highlight that's not a law. That's not the way it always is. And Jesus himself made that very clear. And so I take James's words here to be a recognition that sometimes the sinful things that we do as humans can affect our health. Drug addictions, sexually, immoral behavior, these things, they can hurt us and they can make us unwell. And he's saying, you don't have to struggle with these things alone. Get the elders to pray for you because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. He goes on to say this, verses 17 to 18. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. These verses, they're probably going to seem a bit out of place if you aren't familiar with Elijah. Elijah is essentially one of the heroes of the Bible. He's a prophet in the Old Testament, someone who spoke on behalf of God. And his story is captured in 1 Kings. And it's a time when Israel's kings started turning away from God and they essentially ran Israel into the ground. And it's in this setting that Elijah really, he comes out of nowhere. He kind of bursts onto the scene. He starts calling out the idolatry and the injustice that he sees happening. And it's also the beginning of a major drought, one that lasts three and a half years. And one of the more famous stories is where Elijah challenges 450 prophets of Baal to a contest to prove which of their gods is real. And Elijah wins the contest by praying to God and calling down fire from heaven while the prophets of Baal watch on stunned. They can't match what Elijah does. And then after his victory, he prays again and he calls down rain that breaks the drought over the land. And so one king's really betrays Elijah as being this fearless, bold reformer. He just takes everyone on. He rebukes kings. He challenges false prophets. He challenges Israel to repent and follow God again. And his prayers are powerful. He calls down fire. He prays and rain comes and breaks the drought. And so then in verse 17, James says, Elijah was a human being even as we are. In the Amplified Bible translation, it puts it this way. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, with the same physical, mental, and spiritual limitations and shortcomings. Elijah was a human being just like us. Elijah was a person with a nature just like yours. In other words, Elijah is no different from you. He was able to pray and bring on drought-breaking rain. James's whole point here is that Elijah's got nothing on you. So often we look 
people in the Bible as though they were different from us, like they're on some sort of higher level. And I know you've thought this because I've thought this when we read things about, for example, David defeating Goliath and then becoming king. And we go, well, I'm no King David. And we read about Moses parting the Red Sea and we go, well, I'm no Moses. And then we read about Elijah praying for rain and go, well, I'm no Elijah. And what this verse says is actually, yes, you are. He was a human being. He was no different from you. And understanding what this means, I go, wait, I'm praying in the same way Elijah did, the same way King David did, the same way Moses did. I can do the same thing. Do you believe that about yourself? I think it's so easy for us to put people in the Bible up on a a higher level, on a pedestal, as though they were doing things that were completely unattainable. And James is saying to us, look, they were no different. I'm a person. You're a person. Elijah was a person. And yet he could pray and stop the rain. He could pray and call down fire from heaven. What an amazing thought. And I have to ask you, do you have that type of faith? Do you really believe you could have this intimacy with God like Elijah did? And do you believe that God could respond to your prayers like he did to Elijah? Seriously answer that question. And then James ends his letter with these words, the final words in the book of James. This is verses 19 to 20. He says, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. And so he closes the book of James, this letter sent out to all of Jesus' followers scattered throughout the world by saying, basically, if any of you help someone turn from their sin and back to God, you've just saved that person from a world of hurt. James has been talking about the power of prayer and about how you could see healing, about how your prayers could be as powerful as the prophets and kings that we read about, essentially saying that you should expect to see a miracle. And then he closes with what I think is the greatest miracle, which is that God could possibly be using you to turn others back to him. How amazing to watch someone turn from the air of their way and turn back to God. God could be using you to change someone's eternal destiny. This is a huge miracle. And these verses made me think actually about the time that Sarah and I had a chance to tour around the state of Ontario in Canada. This is a few years ago now. And one of the interesting things that we found while we were there is that quite a few Mennonites and Amish people would live there. And you can go visit them and see how they live. And both these groups of people, they claim Christian beliefs, but they're probably more well known for their simple living. They have plain clothes and they um, are very famous for resisting to adopt modern technology. But one of the more interesting things that I learned while I was there was that um, it's also perhaps less well known is that they have this practice of shunning people, particularly among what they call the old order Mennonites and old order Amish. And it's a practice that essentially means that if you stray from their customs and beliefs, if you start living like the world does, then you get cut off from all social interaction. You experience this social rejection and you're completely excluded from their community. And I thought of this because 
James's words stand in stark contrast to that kind of mindset. He says, if you know of people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back. He doesn't say alienate them further with harsh words of judgment. He says, try to restore that broken relationship. Yeah, do you believe that God could use you to turn others from a multitude of sins? What an amazing thought that you could have an impact on someone's eternal destiny. And so as I read these closing words in James, I realize that what he's been describing here is what our community should look like. And it's a community where God is at the center, where people are so focused on and so in love with God that they reach out to him in prayer for everything. Then from this place of humility, they pray together, they confess their sins, they reach out to the elders of their church in their time of need. It's a community that accepts the fact that they're only human, sure, but at the same time, they still expect great things from God when they pray. And when someone strays from the faith, they don't alienate that person with harsh words of judgment. They pray, they forgive, they restore. This is what our community should look like. So as we've been reading through this book with you, I hope what you've seen is that we're not pulling anything crazy out of there. Most of this, I hope, is pretty straightforward. And my hope then is that you would start picking up the Bible if you don't already and just getting into it and reading it for yourself so that when you come to verses like those that we've read today, you'd be able to reflect on them and ask, am I so close to God that my first response to everything in life is to go to him first in prayer? Do I pray with others? Do I have trusted godly people around me that can pray for me? Do I believe that my prayers can be as powerful as those of Elijah? I'd say act upon this book. My prayer as we're done with this study is that this will inspire you to get into God's word more where your natural response just becomes, I want to know him. I want to know God. I want God to be my first love so that when life gets difficult, that's just my obvious choice to go to him. And when I'm just so excited, my first thought is to praise God and worship him. When anything happens in life, it's about God and about going to him. He's at the center of my life. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this time that we have to reflect on your words. I thank you for this time that we've had to read through the book of James. I pray especially, Lord, that you would give us a renewed desire to pray to you in all circumstances that would bring everything to you, no matter how small, no matter how big, whether it's good or bad, just that our focus would be on you all the time, that we would have such a love for you, Lord, that we would just naturally want to bring everything first to you in prayer. I pray that upon each and every person, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we also have that renewed sense of understanding that our prayers have meaning and purpose and that they are powerful and effective. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't pray just for the sake of it, but that we would pray knowing that you hear our words, Lord, that our prayers can be powerful. Our prayers can be as powerful as the prophets and the kings that we read about in the Bible. And I pray, Lord, that you would also this morning just stir our hearts that as we read those verses about those people who have wandered off from the faith, that there might be some of us 
that are listening to this message that are thinking of particular people. I pray, Lord, that you empower those people to seek those those people that have gone wandering off, that you would empower those of us who are listening to this message to respond to your word with grace and love, and that we would reach out to those people who have strayed off from our faith. We pray this in your mighty name, Lord. Amen. Amen.